This other metal meant this. Blah, 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 blah. This other mental model is just the statement is I have a spiritual gift. All right. And I am a spiritual gift. Now, I'm in no way a gifted speaker, natural born pastor. People that heard that I was going into ministry, that I had a job, that I had a job in ministry were like, what? Really? You? Or they look at Christian and go, huh? Him? Now, I've, and I felt like a bit of a misfit. That's an, another story. But, but when I started to realize that and get a hold of this idea, of the scriptural idea that I have a spiritual gift. If scripture says God hands out gifts to the body, I'm part of the body. I have a spiritual gift. And anytime I think I don't have a spiritual gift, then I am lying and I am contradicting scripture i am walking in false belief and i don't want to tolerate that in my life now i have a spiritual gift you have a spiritual gift but maybe i better get busy finding it and defining it and saying this this one not it's 12 it's this one two or three and i need to start sharpening it i need to start practicing with it i need to start getting good at it i need to learn about it and I need to wield that gift so I can start building and working in the kingdom, all right? But another thing that came to me when I started realizing people with spiritual gifts, also that just, just me showing up is a spiritual gift. Just me, I am the greater, the greater gift. I am greater than the gift of being able to pastor. I'm greater than the gift of being able to prophesy. And I don't have a a prophetic mantle or anything like that. I do believe we can all prophesy, but here's, here's what I think is that the people that come in to like speak or they prophesy, when we treat their gift as more of a gift than we treat them in relationship with them as a gift, we're doing them a disservice and we're, we're not being loving to them. We'll say, I'll use what you bring, but I won't love who you are. All right. So, In this same model that I have a spiritual gift and I am a spiritual gift comes this idea that I'm the perfect person for the job if I'm doing that job. So at that church where 850 people leave, nobody wanted that job. Uh, nobody wanted to, well, obviously hardly anybody wanted to be there at, in, that, in that season, which was a long season uh, afterwards. Um, when, when you're when your six pastors leave, your pastor gets one of them, gets arrested, your elders all leave. And by the way, the way the 850 people that left from one Sunday to, to the next meant the entire worship team. So literally no one wanted the job of leading that church. And I just made a, a decision. I mean, it wasn't like a decision I made one day and it started, it started settling with me, but I'm like, Hey, I'm God's perfectly imperfect person to step up and say, duh, I'll do it. Hey, Hey God. Yep. Yep. I'm here. I'll do it. And it took me a while to say, I'll do it. But I, I got in my mind that, there's nobody else. I, I was set for this job. I was set to be in this podium. I was set to lead this team. I was set to bring peace and order and grace and love and healing to this people, to this property, to the, to the, the ministry that's here. And uh, that's an exciting thing. And I needed to be better skilled at being me. I need to be more sharpened. So God gave me elders and amazing staff partners there. I was dull in a lot of areas that God had to like compensate with other people, but I had a spiritual gift. 
and I wielded that spiritual gift as boldly and as powerfully as I could during that time. You know what? This third mental model, I'm not, I'm not super sure that it is a mental model, but it served me really well because it's this mental model that you probably have a good reason not to like me. So when somebody used to say, or, you know, they're never like, I don't like you. But when they say, you know, I, I, I can't respect you. I can't, uh, I don't like you. I'm just going to put that as that, that the catch all phrase for you done me wrong sort of thing, or there's, you know, stuff like that. And the more you're in ministry and the more you lead, the more you have people that don't like you, even if they don't tell you. But it used to be when I found out people did not like me, I would go, who cares? I don't care. Again, with I don't care. Uh, or I would just re say something counter to what they were saying, something that would disqualify from them being in the category of people that I cared liked me. Then I started thinking that, again, I do care. I don't care that they like me for my sake, maybe, which probably I do, but not as much as somebody like an Enneagram 2 who really wants people to like them. But I'm like, I start thinking, you know what? Everybody has a good reason for what they do and what they think. And it's based on something that they've experienced and something that they've thought. And I realized that anybody who doesn't like me is based on good reasoning that they've reasoned out specifically about me. All right. And so those people that don't like me, I could say, I don't care. I can just say, huh, interesting. They don't like me. They must have a good reason. Around this time, there was somebody saying, Hey, you know, you need to be careful. I used to go to church with them. You don't need to be around less anymore because I heard that he drinks liquor. So see, there's people who don't like me because I like bourbon, but there's other people who like me because I like bourbon. And there's people who don't like me because I don't get drunk. See, and I just don't care. The thing is, is they all have their reasons. So I let it be about them. There are people that like me because I like Bethel Church and I go there uh, for their conferences and I read their stuff and all that stuff. But there's other people who like me a lot because I like Bethel. But the thing is, is this is their, they're both actually have their reasons to like me. And, and I'm going to tell you what this does. This mental model helps me to not judge them. It helps me not judge them because they don't like me. It helps me not cut them off so I can't learn from them or hear from them anymore. And it seems to release me from those people or those people from me, giving them permission not to like me is saying, I don't want to control you. I want you to hear that. You don't have to like me. Instead of, I don't care. It's, you don't have to, I, 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 you probably have a good reason. I have done things to people accidentally. I've said things, I've acted certain ways and I believe certain things and you've reasoned out that you shouldn't like or trust or follow me because of those things. And I'm giving them, I'm saying, I don't want to, I don't need to control you. All right. And this is what's interesting. I realized that if, if I thought like they did, I probably wouldn't like someone like me either. If I thought like they did, I probably wouldn't like somebody like me either. It allows me to still like them to still enjoy them, to still the next time I'm around them, not to be thinking they don't like me, but I don't care. And I already have rejected them in advance. All right. Here's the thing is those people who like me because I like Bethel. They think I like Bethel the same way they like Bethel, which I probably don't. They think 
that were alike and that we, that that I'm but as soon as they find out that I disagree with something about Bethel, then they don't like me because I don't because I don't like Bethel enough. And then there's people who like me a lot who don't like me because I because I do like Bethel, but then those people when they find out that there's things I don't like about Bethel, they get suspicion to go, well maybe I do like him, but wait a minute, he likes Bethel. So it's an interesting thing and we think that our liking someone or not liking someone says something about that person when really it only says something about us what i if i don't if i don't like bob my neighbor i think i really do think it means something about bob because bob's dislikable because bob does things i don't want him to do and i would never do and i wish i could control bob but really when i tell someone i don't like bob my neighbor i'm saying something about me you know it's it's a hard it's a hard thing, but it's a great mental. I think it's a mental model that has really served me well is to think and to process people not liking me is they probably have a good reason not to like me. This next mental model I, I like, and it's just a statement of, and these are all like, I've never, this is the first time I've put these all into words, but these are things I, I talk about a lot. And when I'm coaching, uh, I, I'm thinking about these things. And when I'm coaching myself or being coached, but when I'm just thinking in my life, like uh, in these areas, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm letting these things fall into line into these boundaries that helps me process healthy, helps me process mature, helps me process so that I'm moving forward, so that I'm in the becoming part and I'm, I'm, I'm continuing this journey and it allows for clarity it allows for faith it allows for hope it allows for work it allows for um mistakes and so this this next mental model is i am a practicing christian and i you know we, we all know what a practicing catholic is because they go they go to mass they do certain things i'm a practicing christian and that's really actually helped me again a lot because i get nothing perfect never ever ever have i and never will i get anything perfect i don't have to be uh perfect and i don't even have the capacity to be perfect or do perfect i am in a constant state of practice i'm in a constant state of practice <clears throat> so i played ninth grade football junior high then ninth grade football i stopped after ninth grade i'm like this is not for me I'm not competitive. I don't care enough. I don't understand why ninth grade boys are so passionate about football. So I quit after ninth grade. I, I'm surprised I made this season, okay? But we played scrimmage, and we played scrimmage with the other ninth grade team. We had a blue and a white team back then. And then we'd play scrimmage before, during the summer, before the season started. They don't count. You're playing them before the big game. Ah, but here's the thing, unlike the scrimmages for football or basketball or baseball or soccer, where you play before the big game in order to win the big game, in this thought I'm a practicing Christian and this idea of scrimmage, I have already, the big game's already been played at the cross. I'm already on the championship stand with the championship, championship ring, and I have the trophy, to, trophy, blah, 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 blah. That gets like, I, I sometimes I get like, stumble over my words. 
That's why I'm able to play so confidently because I'm playing as more than a conqueror. I'm playing after the championship game. I'm scrimmaging in the leftover part, and I can have fun in the scrimmage because I've already won because I have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I'm living out the transformation that was already won and happened at the cross. That's where the victory happened. The victory doesn't happen when I get something right. Victory doesn't happen when I quit drinking. The victory doesn't happen when I quit smoking. The victory's already happened, and I walk all of those things out. And I can play confidently as more than a conqueror because I'm already wearing the championship ring. I already have the trophy displayed at my house. I've already won. I'm a practicing Christian, but I'm not practicing to be perfect. All right, I'm practicing from his perfection possibly, but perfection, my perfection is gonna happen after this life, all right? Okay, so I practice loving others, which means I get it wrong, I mess up. Uh, the whistle is blown at me and I get, I get sidelined because I blow it when I'm loving others. I practice serving others. I practice giving prophetic words. I practice hearing God. I literally sit sometimes right at my desk, sometimes out by the pool, sometimes when I'm on a walk, I sit on the bench out by our little little green pathway out here, and I, I practice hearing. I'm like, close my eyes, silent. I might ask God a question. I practice it. I can be driving, and I'm a practicing Christian. I practice discerning spirits. God, what's going on right here? What's going on in this song? It, that, that, is, is your spirit even here? Is there, is there something soulish going on here? I practice financial giving. I get it wrong. I practice casting out demons. And I just scared a bunch of you, didn't I? I practice casting out demons. Hallelujah. Thing is, is that I'm called to cast out demons. I think about it. I, and I, I look towards or for times when demons need to be cast out. I've only done a handful I guess would be five, maybe, maybe more. I've been parts of others. And I know it can get super weird, but who cares if it can get weird? Everything we talk about in Christianity should have the potential to get weird because it's spiritual, because it's supernatural. I practice laying on the hands and healing the sick. I practice forgiving and loving my enemies. I practice forgiving and loving my enemies. I am a practicing Christian. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm practicing what I believe all the time. Now, this mental model is to filter everything according to God's word. And here's what we think. We're like, oh, I filter all my politics according to God's word. But we really filter God's word according to our politics we already have a preference for. I want to say that again. We think we're filtering like all of our politics according to God's word because we pick and choose. We cherry pick. Well, like, I'll take that scripture. I'll take that scripture. I'll take that scripture. And I will, that backs me up of why I'm right over here in my politics. But when we filter everything according to his word, we actually take that politics and the things that we believe and we process it through his word. And it should come out looking different, should come out being different. It should synthesize as different. Okay, not just politics. I try to filter everything according to his word, principles, mental models, doctrine, theology. Now, 
all of all of this can get again a little bit strange because it's the word of God and I can cherry pick as well. But what, when we keep washing, not washing the, the, over our political belief over the word, but we keep we keep in the word, we keep getting in the word, we keep reading, not for answers, but we keep reading so the word is questioning us, so the word is provoking us, so the word is damaging us, so the word is reshaping us. When we do that, when we do that, then our doctrine, our theology, our mental models, principles, our politics begin to look different, okay? And I want to, like right here in this filter, I want to do it like more so about all of those things. I want to talk about how I filter everything according to his word about me, okay? And again, this can get weird because we can take it, we can take it and cross over the line. And then it, then it becomes non-biblical, ungodly, and damaging. And there's probably more to say on that, but, but we can. We can take all these things to an extreme in a bad way. But <clears throat> here's what it looks like for me to filter my life through the word of God and through Jesus as the word. I do not believe that what I just did defines me. I don't believe that what I just did in a negative sense, a bad sense, a sinful sense is the true me. I don't believe that the dumb thing I just said, the dumb thing I just did, I don't believe that I am that. I am not that. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, but I think that's something we should unpack, that you should unpack, that you should look into, okay? Because I think if you start digging into that, that I am what Jesus says I am, I'm not what my experiences are, I think you're going to find a gold mine in there. And you can mine that, and it's going to help you a lot as you partner with the Holy Spirit in who you are and not what you've done determining who you are, okay? The second one goes along with that. I do not believe that I am what someone says I am. I do not believe I am what someone says I am. Even though I might have repeated over and over again, I am not that person. I have come to believe, or I'm, I'm, I'm putting into practice believing, okay? I'm trying to believe more often, more regularly, more deeply, that when someone calls me something that God is not calling me, that, is, that it is them that is lying, and it is not God that is lying. When someone calls me weak and stupid and ugly, that contradicts what scripture is saying. And I don't care if they call it me that when I was a kid or when I was 20, or they called it that called me that this morning. I refuse to not believe what someone is calling me. I am his child. I am a hundred percent lovable. I have gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, Jesus has given me gifts. I am a gift. I have great potential. God is for me and not against me. It's those things where I am his child. I do walk in favor. All of those things. I don't believe what anybody calls me. And any other thing I hear, I call out. I can't remember what scripture this is in. It's probably in James. I call out liar, liar, pants on fire. All right? You don't get to define me. God defines me. 
And yes, people got to be able to tell me what to do or talking to my life, all of that stuff. Stop it. This starts, starts right here. I am, and then I find people to help me believe and walk in that I am, not to contradict that I am. I hope that makes sense. Powerful stuff right there. And here's a tweak on that. And the Apostle Paul talks about this a little bit. Now, I do not believe that I'm the worst of me. So the worst thing I've done this year, the worst way I've acted this year, the worst thing I've said this year or in my life, I don't believe I'm that. And while I would like to forget the worst things I do, I don't forget them. I'm not able to forget them. The enemy reminds me of them. My, my, sometimes my life reminds me of them because I'm paying a price. However, instead of forgetting them, instead of being ashamed of them, I start to celebrate my weaknesses because it is in those very same weaknesses where there is great potential for God to be strong in me and through me. All right? So I choose. I'm choosing I'm practicing this Christian thing. I will not believe about uh, that I am the worst that I am. Ah, I'm going to just messed all that up. All right. So to say that again, I choose not to believe that I am the worst of me. I'm not the worst thing I've done this year. That doesn't identify me. I'm not the worst thing I've done in my life. That doesn't identify me. And while I would love to be able to forget the worst things I've done and the worst things I've said and the worst part of who I am, instead, like the Apostle Paul, I decide I choose to celebrate my weaknesses. Why? Why do I choose to celebrate my weaknesses? Because right there in those very same weaknesses that, I, that people want me to be ashamed of, that the enemy wants me to be ashamed of, right there in those mistakes, that's where the potential for God to be strong in and through me lies. Boombity bombity boo. This last one is I practice believing that I am what he says I am. I struggle towards that belief. I always, I always choose. That's not even true. When I say I, I, I always attempt to choose that what he says is true of me. And I struggle with that belief all the time. And I think this belief of choosing to believe that what God says is truer than what I say. What God says about me is truer than what I experience about myself. What God says about me is truer than what my parents call me, my siblings call me, my spouse, my, my ex-wife, my ex-husband, whoever, my teachers, whoever called me whatever. That that's the work. I believe what he says. And it's not like, oh, screw you. I don't care what you think. It's like, no. Yeah, that I've done those things, but this, this is who he's saying I am. And I believe that when, when I start engaging with and confidently believing that what he says about me, about my wholeness, about my identity, about who I am, everything else comes into alignment with that. And I, I, like, this, I, I like this sentence. I do believe that I am the best of me on the best of my days, instead of believing I'm the worst of me on the worst of my days. That's, 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 that's a great statement. I do believe that I'm the best of me 
on the best of my days and not the worst of me on the worst of my days. I hope you can get that in your head and in your heart and live that out.